We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon fans, what's going on? How's everybody doing? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. We are live on YouTube. YouTube.com slash Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can find us. Well, everybody, this is the moment you've all been waiting for because it's not just me on the show. I am joined on this very special episode, the Husky Hate Week live stream by my good friends, Spencer McLaughlin. You know him. He's the host of Locked On Ducks, Locked On Pac-12. And of course, Ryan Winter, aka Sports Chat 503. Boys, how we doing? Great to see you. Gosh, we are rocking and rolling. I'm once again fresh off a, a play-by-play broadcast, and I got good reviews on the on the nice clothes, and I was already rocking the green tie, so I thought, you know what? Let's go Bill O'Reilly style. F it. We'll do it live. <laughs> uh, one of love my that. Favorite, that's one of my favorite things in the entire world. Just as someone who does play-by-play and camera stuff, that is the funniest freaking thing. In the on in the entire, I watch it like every week, and I laugh he, every. He went time. from Portland, Oregon, to that. Did he really? Yeah, he was a. I broad, had no idea. He was a news guy in Portland, for that sure. Is, Look him up. Bill O'Reilly is, is crazy. crazy. Yeah, I love it, that too. That's interesting. He's like, Portland? he's like, he's like, what do you, what, what do you mean, what do you mean? Portland. I, 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 the, I've seen to, that a thousand times. Portland from one of the to big to being one of the biggest <laughs> inside edition. Inside edition Fox was like news. No, it wasn't to Fox News. It was to Inside Edition first. That was at Inside oh, Edition. And then he, and then he made. He's the like, "What do you mean, Fox play our way out? What do you... <laughs> to end the show? <laughs> All right, go, go. All right, people. And then he's just so mad at the teleprompter. It's the greatest thing. I could go for ten minutes, but uh, we're here to talk the ducks. Yes, are we thank not... you, Max. You're doing great, Spencer. Thank you so much. You guys are hey, awesome. Always, always, always a pleasure. We've been teasing this for for a good while. People have have commented on. You know, my appearance on Max's show or when Ryan's been on my show, like, oh, you guys should get together with Max. And when we were playing out, we were like, man, it's got to be Washington, right? Even more than Oregon State, it's got to be Washington. (laughs) Yeah, this felt like it was the perfect time. I mean, I'm going to be back in Eugene for this game. Spencer, I'm bummed you can't make it. Um, But uh, I'll have to make sure I say what's up to Ryan at some point. Yeah, let's connect. I'm fired Um, up. But uh, but yeah, I think just, you know, general theme of this, you know, obviously, like I said, Husky hate week live stream. So any duck football we want to talk about rivalry stuff, uh, I thought a kind of a cool way we're starting to get some people in the chat already. But I thought a cool way to maybe start things off was to to get your guys's thoughts on 
you know, what the rivalry means to you because I didn't get on to Oregon football until around 2012. And then I, I try to take more of a, a journalism, you know, journalist perspective. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of get your guys' stories and uh, you know, what the rivalry means to you as duck fans. Yeah. Ryan can start. He's the savvy veteran here. He's seen more of these than both of us combined. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I'm also a history teacher. You don't want to go too far down the line. <laughs> it started in 1900. <laughs> 43 to zero. Now, I think the important thing about the Oregon-Washington rivalry is, is just like any of these great rivalries we see across the country, right? That are inter, uh, not the not in-state rival, the interstate rival, right? The Michigan-Ohio, the uh, Florida-Georgia, the Texas-Alabama or Texas-Oklahoma, you know, uh, uh, you know, whatever, whatever you want, Alabama-LSU. All these are great rivalries and Oregon-Washington has something special. The, the reason why I think they have something special is because in the modern era, there's been kind of two different sides of this. Washington was good, and then Oregon's been good. And they really have not been good at the same time. And there's only been a couple games, maybe five, six games at the most in the 100 years, the 120 years they played, where both teams were pretty good at the same time. And so... When Oregon was good, they beat the heck out of them. I mean, uh, when Washington was good, they beat the heck out of the Ducks. So I grew up at a time where, you know, as a kid, Washington was awesome. Steve Entman era. I mean, I saw these guys just destroy the Ducks. My dad's joke was in the 70s, he was when my dad was there, was they would play tequila when they'd score a touchdown. And the, the band would be playing tequila. They'd kick off to the Ducks. The Ducks would turn it over or Washington would get the ball again, score again. Band never even stopped playing tequila. Like the whole damn second half, it was like the band never even stopped playing. That's demoralizing. And so that's why the Kenny Wheaton going to score is such an important deal because that was when I was a junior in high school. I mean, it bring a tear to my eye, that, that team, because that's such a valuable part of my life at that point as a Duck fan, because we finally made it. It was like, when you were a kid and you were waiting to jump off the diving board, it was like it took forever to get in that line. You're freezing, you know, and then you finally get to it. And you're like, here's our chance. Like, we're doing it, you know. And at that point, we didn't really know what was going to happen as a Duck fan. Since then, they kicked the hell out of the Huskies, beat the living crap out of these guys over and over and over and over to the point where I would go up to Seattle every other year. I've been to like probably over 20 or maybe I don't even know how many probably over 20 of these games, at least, oh shit, probably 30 more. To, I have seen the Huskies destroy the Ducks. That's why that Kenny Wheaton game was so important because they were going to do the same thing they'd done to us year after year after year, which is go down the field and score at the end. The Ducks get the pick, boom, boom. But I was up there in Seattle where these guys were just like, I mean, I was <laughs> during the year where they didn't win. I mean, it was like, dude, bro, it's like, you want to talk about a demoralized team. They didn't win. They didn't even beat the Cougs who also didn't win. So it's like, dude, Huskies have had some bad times. And I've seen it front and center. The Ducks have just absolutely creamed them. And so it feels really good right now to kind of be in this situation where both teams are pretty good. We've had it like this for a little bit now. Uh, and uh, I, I expect great things this weekend, buddy. I think my, my favorite new iteration is Oregon players going like W's, dogs down. I love right? that. I, I Panay Sewell did it coming out of the tunnel of his NFL game. And I saw that and thought, oh, my gosh. Just when I couldn't love that guy even more. That is fantastic. I think what makes a great rivalry is, is not about what takes place on the field, 
but how the fans feel about one another. And, and I was talking on my on my podcast for today's show with Rob Mosley, which was awesome. Rob's a great guy about what's different between the Washington rivalry and the Oregon State rivalry. And he brought up a really good point, which is that Oregon, Oregon State, there, there's plenty of animosity there. There's plenty of beef. Want to beat the beeves, hate losing to the beeves. All that stuff still applies. But I think at some level, there's an understanding between the two, the two programs, or one program and one program now, that it wasn't always a situation where one of the teams could win because they were both small, geographically isolated. Like the 80s and 90s were not that good. Until, you know, Bilotti really got things cooking. Like, Rich Brooks did a lot of great things for Oregon. But go look at his record year by year. There were a lot of down years. And then it started to get better at the end. Bilotti takes over and then really, really takes off. So, I, I think that what makes it different than than Washington is there's no almost, like, underlying level, however small, of respect for the other team that you share a state with. Right. I mean, the Ducks and the Beavs, they're both kind of out here. They weren't powers. Oregon obviously is now. But Washington was the top dog and Washington, no pun intended, but you can take it. however you like. Washington was on top for a long time and both Oregon and Oregon State were down here. And, and then Oregon has risen and surpassed Oregon State by a lot. But they were both in that same spot and they're both in the same state. And I'm sure you guys have this, too. I have a number of friends who are like some of my oldest, closest friends who are Beaver fans. Other than my cousin and my uncle who are Huskies and my mom, of course, but that's it. We'll put that off to the side for now. Other than that, I don't have any close friends who are also Husky fans. So, like, I want to beat the Beavs to be able to talk smack to to my friends there and such. But at the same time, like... When an Oregon, like when when the when the Blazers signed Gary Payton II, I look at it and go, oh, that's cool, they got a beef. Or Brandon Cooks in the NFL, or when Sean Mannion makes an pit, right? Guys like that who I've grown up watching in in that rivalry, formerly known as as the Civil War. There's that little bit of underlying respect where, like, when the bees get to the pro level or when they do something good, if they're not playing Oregon. I, I will kind of root for him from time to time. I don't know how popular that makes me with Duck fans. Hopefully I have some credibility <laughs> built up on on that front. But with Washington, it's just not like that. I, I just I don't feel that at all, ever. I don't care about Huskies that go on to the pros. I don't want Washington to win. Like, it's just pure dislike. And one of my favorite pictures, I should actually try and track it down. I probably could. It was me at a Husky game. I was kind of, are we G-rated on this show, Max? Yeah. Yeah, I like to err on the side of caution. Okay. I was kind of <laughs> I was kind of being a tool because I was at Husky Stadium for the Vernon Adams game up there. And I'll, I'll, I'll find the picture of uh, the moment after the game-winning interception when I was basking in the glory of uh, the game we're, we're going to win. So one of you guys can pick it up while I, while I look for it because it'll take me a, a, a second. But I, I think that's the biggest difference is, when I'm not, when we're not playing the Beavs, I, I I can root for the Beavs. I don't often, but from time to time I will. I've never once rooted for Washington, like like ever. Like Washington, Oregon State. I wanted Oregon State to win. Easy, easy. I think most Duck fans probably feel the same way. Yeah, and, and I I think just to just to kind of wrap up the the background before we like really dig into the show a little bit. 
it was interesting because when I started following Oregon, I, like I said, around 2012 or so, just two years after that, I was at, I've only been to two Oregon UW games. It was 2014 uh, with Marcus uh, in Odson. I think it was a 45 to 20 win. And then it was last year um, on the road in Seattle on a cold, windy, stormy mm. night. Um, <laughs> but that was just super, super fun. And, you know, I, I got to go to that game. I went to that game as a fan. I wasn't working that game. And uh, I got to experience the Husky fans, you know, throwing breadcrumbs oh, at dear. the Oregon fans. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. I guess, a, a, something I'm a little bit newer to. But I think uh, it's just like, you know, Oregon fans have been so used to, to dominating – uh, this rivalry and then when Chris Peterson towards the tail end of his tenure they ended up going to the playoffs and they were really dominant when Oregon was just way down but now it's a little bit of a new feeling because you have two first year head coaches or new new uh coaches or Spencer's got the Spencer's got the pick of him with the looks like that's with a, some Washington Husky fans fan there if you can't see he is giving me the bird hard because I'm just taking a selfie snapchat just like go ducks go ducks baby woo and he's just throwing He's just oh, yeah. throwing me a nice, yeah. a nice little middle finger that he thinks right. is subtle. That is, that should Salute. be, my, that should, uh, that should be like my contact picture on the YouTube channel or something. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should make that the thumbnail for every, every broadcast this week. Though my boss is a lark on probably wouldn't like that very much. Yeah. Oh man. No, it, 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 it's, it's a fun week, man. I, I, I agree with what Spencer's saying. You know, <clears throat> I love the Oregon state Washington game. Every year, it's one of my favorite games of the entire schedule, and I always root for the Beavs. I have never once in my life rooted for the Huskies in that game. And I there's there's something about, though, the fact that Huskies were really good, and that's the reason why this rivalry has been good. People talk about the need for both teams to be good to make a rivalry good, and that's that's true. But in Oregon-Washington's case, it, they really haven't been good at the same time very much. I think that's the cool thing about what's happening right now. Is, is that, you know, you'd have a top 25. I don't know if they've had more than about five matchups where they've been both top 25. And that's, a, I don't know what stat that is to look up, but I'll they, see just haven't, they just haven't been good really at the same time. So the Huskies were always like, oh, dude, the Ducks sucks. Like, yeah, we know. And then when the Ducks were good and they were beating the hell out of the Huskies, we we're like, dude, the Huskies sucks. Like, yeah, we know. I mean, I used to go up there and be like, hey, good luck, guys. We're like, we're going to need it. I mean, this is the mighty Huskies. This is the equivalent in our conference of like Texas or Oklahoma or like USC, like some of the greatest college football teams of all time. We were being promoted. We're from Seattle. And so this idea that like Oregon was trying to like get there, they were like chasing that. And then we kind of did get that. And that pissed the Huskies off even more, yeah. which made the rivalry even better. We loved this. Yeah. So it's just, it's a phenomenal situation to be where we're at right now. And I actually like, you know, I got chills actually kind of thinking about listening to Cristobal when he was all fired up last year. Cause I was at that game too, Max. And I was freaking lit for that game, but there was a lot of energy in that building. And for whatever reason, there was weird stuff going on that night. Cause the freaking Huskies were fighting each other on their side and the ducks came in. That was when Kayvon Thibodeau was recording in the locker room and he recorded all the stuff that, I don't think Cristobal would want anyone to hear at all how tight he was. And dude, it was like real stuff because they'd come off the year before, whereas all the COVID stuff and they 
were pissed because you know they thought the Ducks shouldn't have gone and they, they should have gone, but they didn't have a defense. Well, like the their Ducks entire the defensive Ducks, the, the, line you know, was out Ryan, for COVID. Ryan, the, du- the Ducks clearly shouldn't have gone. We didn't have the academic prowess to go to the Pac-12 <laughs> championship. But there was just so much built up in that last year's game. The energy was like really through weird. The roof. Like yeah. it was wild, man. It was wild. So and it's all rainy, classic Montlake. Oh, dude, it was. Yeah. It fires me up even thinking about this game every single time. And this is going to be a great one, dude. The weather's going to be awesome. It's going to be 4 o'clock. You're going to get the beautiful sunset. It's just going to be, like, picture perfect in the valley. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I, it should it should, it should be great if I can just inter- interject real quick, Max. I, I think there have been a lot of matchups in the last 15 years where Washington has been solid to good, but yeah. they haven't been great when Oregon's been great. Like, when the Ducks have beaten them, Last three matchups all decided by single digits. I mean, they have been close games, and Washington has been a good team that could have beaten Oregon, but the Ducks just came out on top. And and I think the best matchup, frankly, was 2018. You had the Ducks at 17, had that Stanford mishap earlier in the year, but that was the redemption game. That kind of felt like the the true reemergence of Oregon after getting down, you know, losing, uh, was it 8 and 13, uh, the bowl game, 14 games in the previous two years. That felt like the moment where Oregon kind of reemerged with that CJ Verdell walk off touchdown. One of one of the coolest moments. I dude, remember exactly. I, I was I one of the I, best calls. One of the best calls. Dude, and yeah, I've never yeah, in all great. my years sitting where I sit, I've never jumped the 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 uh, partition and go, jumped onto the field. We literally just were like, "Sorry, security." We just boom. We're like, yep. "On." Yep. And yep. and and I've never done that in <laughs> any. Yeah. We've never done that. <laughs> and that that's saying something. Yeah, that that game, that crowd was awesome. That game was awesome. I was actually in London at that at that time. I was up at gosh, it must have been two, two, three in the morning. I don't know how I didn't get a noise complaint. I I was I was yelling. I was just yeah. I I was watching. Well, they missed I was, the field goal. I know. I was Remember? expecting that field goal from Peyton Henry to go in, and, and you know, like, crystal ball oh. crystal ball calls the timeouts and he hooked it, and I was like. Oh my gosh! They Maldonadoed it. Yeah, ne- holy smokes! Never been more excited about a missed field holy, goal in my like, life. Holy smokes! We have a chance, <laughs> and then they go to overtime. And I, by the way, the walk-off touchdown gets all the hype. Don't overlook the fact that Oregon's kicking game that year was kind of yeah. shaky. I oh, think yeah. that was. I think that was Adam Stack, and he was really inconsistent. Schneider no, that was Camden. Left. Wasn't that? Wasn't no, that? No, no. Camden was a freshman the following year. Oh, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the Washington State. Sh- I'm pretty sure Washington it was Adam State Stack, game. and he was not in a, a great place kicking wise. <laughs> yeah. Oregon well, Oregon's up. never been known for the kicking game. <laughs> well, there have been a couple kickers who have actually been really good. Like I, I, I know, it's, it's been very, it's over, been very over the down. years. Over the years, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, Maldonado's <laughs> not great. Stack was hit and miss. Beard, I thought Rob Beard was solid. Morgan Flint was good. Schneider was good. Yeah. Lewis has been, you know, streaky, but now he actually is pretty darn good. But the underrated play in that Washington game in 2018, third and 11, Herbert throws a dart from the near hash mark outside to the far numbers to Dylan Mitchell on third and 11. Dylan Mitchell was so good, to, kill, to get us into the, the, the scoring range, and ultimately they punched it in. But if we don't convert that, we have to kick a field goal, and I – don't um, we had missed a field goal already in that game i do not know if oregon makes that that was an underrated play from that game but that that walk-off moment you know very crystal ball-esque to run the ball on third and goal from the five but 
it, it worked out because Washington was sitting in too deep safety coverage and they cleared it out and the offensive line cleared a lane and Verdell pounded it in. It was, it, it was, it was bonkers, man. That it was, was absolutely was, bonkers. And the, the energy in that stadium that day is, was is so good. Yeah. And that, that, that's for my son, the equivalent of the Kenny Wheaton's going to score. I mean, that was the energy in the stadium, the way it erupted, the way it, but to end it like that, to end yeah. it with that in overtime. At oh, bro. Home. At, at home, too. And the other thing, too, about that is I'm sure Husky fans, after the blowout wins, one of which, you know, was ugly, one of which I don't even remember because Braxton Burmeister was playing, who, by the way, if you didn't know, just got converted to a wide receiver at San Diego State. So that's what you call a whiff on a four-star quarterback recruit. He couldn't work at Virginia Tech. Couldn't get the job at San Diego State. He's a good athlete, so now he's a wide receiver. But I'm sure Husky fans in that in those 2016, 17 years when they just blew us out felt like, all right, we're established, reestablishing the world order here. Huskies are back on top. Huskies are back to dominating. Or Washington's doing this. I bet you could find a hundred pieces from the, from the Husky circles about all that sort of stuff. And it's hard not to feel that when you have that history. Right. When Washington was so dominant and then they're getting back into it or so they think. And then Oregon comes with three straight single digit win. Last year was by 10, but uh, I suppose not by single digits. It was going to be. And then they snapped it over the head because they were punting on fourth and 10, which is <laughs> hilarious in and of us. I remember we, we were coming, I was coming back from a, I was coming back from a trip with the SU football team doing some radio stuff for him. And I was watching the end of that game. And I remember thinking like. I mean, I guess you're really deep and maybe you could get a stop and, you know, we punt it back. But like, this just seems like you have to go for it. And then they snapped it over the head. I just burst out laughing. I was just like, no, you didn't do that, did you? <laughs> like, you, you, you made a conservative play call and then you messed up the conservative play call. Like, do you probably lose the game anyway? Yeah, but it, the, the optics were pretty funny. Spencer, to, to give some context, I know you were talking about Adam Stack in the 2018 game. So Adam Stack in 2018 for Oregon, I'm looking at the stats right now. He was six for 10 from, uh, for, as a field goal kicker. So not terrible, but not as consistent as you would want. And I think another, another thing. We remember the losses, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think another thing with this Oregon rivalry, that's kind of interesting. So we talked about Dan Lanning first year at Oregon, uh, Kalen DeBoer first, first year at Washington, both teams are playing well. Uh, I think this is interesting because not only is Oregon starting this really tough three-game stretch to end the season uh, with, you know, playoff talk getting louder and louder each week, um, but not only that, they it's a must-win game, but what I, I'm kind of curious to bring to the point, bring to the table here, how fans are going to judge Dan Lanning seeing that this is, you know, a really, really big game. It's his first taste of the, of the rivalry. And he said a lot of the good things throughout the week saying, you know, don't play to the circumstances, don't play to the occasion. You know, we, we, we've done things correctly this season. So we're going to keep doing what's worked for us. But at the same time, he's acknowledging rivalries exist. You know, we know this game means more and, you know, he wants to kind of leave a good impression walking away from his first Oregon Washington rivalry. So there's a lot of interesting storylines kind of around this game. And, and I think based on how Oregon's played so far this season, you have good reason to be confident they can come away with the win. But um, it's just another interesting dynamic when you think about what this game means for Dan Lanning and his, his perception as a head coach, seeing that uh, this game comes when it does in the season. Yeah. And I think for, for DeBoer, 
he's he's not hiding the fact that this is a big rivalry too. He was asked about it, and he he gave what I thought was a really great great quote. Like if I were a Washington fan, I would love hearing that. But he said, I I don't think I've been to a speaking engagement anywhere where I don't hear from at least one person about how important it is that we beat Oregon. Like I love that. And and by the way, I love that both coaches are into it. Like. I am all about the smoke in college football everywhere you go. I want to play games. I want rivalries to be heated. I want teams to be good. Like, is it fun to beat up on USC when they're down? Sure. But you know what's even more fun? When USC is good and you go into the Coliseum and you run for, what was it? Is Kenyon Barner still running? He might be. I don't know. It's 320 (laughs) yards. I've never seen a performance like, right? Like, those those are the days that I live for in college football, those specific Saturdays in the fall. So, you know, is it fun to see Washington get down? Yeah, at some level. But it's more fun to beat them convincingly when they are good. You know, the Chip Kelly games when they would win like 50 to 20, those weren't bad Husky teams. They were ranked a couple times, but Oregon was just better. And, and I think that this game feels very much like that, where Washington is a solid team. will probably end the – I think they'll end the year 9-3, and 8-4, and four, um, depending on how they're playing going into that end-of-the-year game at Pullman against Washington State, which we know is a tough place to play. But overall – it's another top 25 matchup where Oregon's way ahead of, of, of Washington. And I, I, I think Washington presents a challenge in a number of ways, as we'll start to get to here, I'm sure, in a little bit. But I, I think it's it's a chance to, to kind of remind Washington that Oregon is still a top dog at the moment. Yeah, I, I tested my buddy here, uh, who's a who's, uh, alum of uh, UW, and I just said, hey, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the game? You know, this week he says, uh don't give us a ton of a chance and this again these guys speak very highly most of all the time right right yeah they're they're, they've got the national championships what's this stand for oh yeah yeah. we've heard that forever oh Oh, and zero Uh, national championships he says but he says i think the 13 and a half is a little steep we shall see uh i i like i think this game's gonna be close man i think that the huskies are gonna do what they want to do i think they're gonna take advantage of what's been susceptible a little bit with the duck defense this year. I think there's some weakness on the back end a little bit. They can take advantage of, you know, Penny's going to throw the thing all over the place. I like how he throws. I like a lefty. I like seeing how they get rid of it. I like a lefty in basketball too. They just got a nice little touch and, uh, and he, he, he gets it, he gets rid of it quick and uh, doesn't move in the pocket a tremendous amount. He wants to stay in there. He wants to throw the ball. You can tell he's waiting for the last second. He's waiting for everything to open up. That's a danger zone against the Ducks. We've been burned by quarterbacks like that, you know? I mean, um, look at the Washington State game, right? I mean, it was like, dude, Cam Ward looked like a freaking NFL MVP in that game. So there was there. was we've had some issues there. So I think that uh, the Ducks' defense is going to have their hands full a little bit. And I think Oregon's offense is going to be uh, – uh, uh, a true test for uh, Washington's defense. I think Washington's defense is one of these weird teams that's like on paper they look good, stats wise they look good, but on the film they don't look that good. You know, it's kind of like as a teacher, you know, you got a lot of students who turn in all their assignments, they got an A in class, but you give them the test and you're like, dude, you don't know much of this information, do you? So it's this idea where it's like, I don't know, I think Oregon can take advantage of the defense. And I think Oregon's offense is just humming right now to the point where it, I think they're going to be a problem for any defense outside of Georgia. Yeah, and and I don't think that um you know we've seen some super dominant efforts from from UW so far on uh as far as their their defense so far this year. 
Um, you know, they gave up 45 points to, to Arizona state. They gave up 39 to Arizona. So they're definitely susceptible there. And, you know, 28 to Michigan state, but Michigan state has, you know, kind of fallen apart since that game earlier on in the year. But to, to your point, Ryan, I think I, I totally agree. I don't really see, there's only a handful of defenses. I think that can really slow down Oregon's offense right now. Cause they're just operating at that high of a clip right now you know you got Bo Heisman you got the offensive line you have a running back who a backfield it feels like try it out whoever you want pick your poison you know there's no it doesn't really feel like there's any drop off in my opinion between Bucky Irving and Noah Whittington I was doing a radio hit earlier this week and I was asked who the best player on the team is uh other than Bo and I said Bucky Irving I just really really like how he's playing this year um at least on, on the offensive side of the ball for sure um, but, um, but to talk about Washington a little bit, I, I think their offense definitely has some, some really solid weapons, you know, just looking at yeah, some of the, really the stat good. leaders, you got Jalen McMillan, you got Romo Dunze, Jalen Polk, uh, as well as Jalis Jackson, uh, who was uh, kind of formerly recruited by Oregon. Uh, seems like he's a little bit more of a gadget guy, but they got a good mixture of some, some guy like, you know, uh, McMillan and Odunze that they, they're both long athletic guys, great hands. Uh, those are the kind of go-to guys from a wide receiver one, wide receiver two. But you know, Polk and Jackson, they, they you know they do their thing and uh, contribute as well. Um, but yeah, it, it almost feels like it's an air raid kind of attack with with yes. how many times uh, they have McMillan or not McMillan Penix, excuse me, dropping back to to throw the ball. And uh, you know, there's reason to to be a little bit um, you know cautious if you're an Oregon fan, seeing that teams have been able to pass the ball on them pretty well. But at the same time. You have an Oregon defense that's been, you know, forcing turnovers, making plays, doing enough to get by. Um, but I think that when you think about that, DJ Johnson, Taki Taimani, we got to see if those guys are able to give it a go this week. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think defensively, Oregon should expect to see the ball through the air because if I'm Washington, Kalen DeBoer and their OC Ryan Grubb, who I think is really smart, by the way, I believe Grubb is the play caller. Don't quote me on that. But I, I believe it, it, it is Grubb and DeBoer as the head coach. And, you know, they were exceptional last week on third down against Oregon State. It won them the game. It, it, it won them that game. They had third and they had a third and goal from the 24 they converted. The Beavers had a coverage bust. They had third and 11, third and eight, third and 10. They had a fourth and 10. They converted so many situations. And they had guys who were just running wide open. And, and the thing that worries me the most going up against this Washington team is that they're going to throw the ball a lot. They should if they're smart, because if Washington that doesn't run the football exceptionally well, you know, they have a couple times, but it's it's pretty streaky. If you try to run the ball in Oregon offensively, you're not going to have that much success. But if you try to throw the ball and you're going 60, 40 pass, that's how you move the ball on the Ducks this year. And that's what Washington has done really well. The key for the Ducks is the pass rush. You, you have got if you let Michael Penix sit back there, pat the ball a couple times and and just slice and dice, he will pick you apart. He will go for 350 and three touchdowns. Make no mistake about it. He's been way better than I expected him to be after watching him in Indiana, where I thought he was OK, but not great. He's not a super mobile guy. He's got an injury history. So I think that's kind of limited his mobility. But that Washington offensive line has done an outstanding job keeping him in the pocket, keeping him upright, and letting him distribute to these wide receivers. They use the tight end from time to time, but Adunze, McMillan, and Polk, those are dudes. Or Oregon secondary is going to have their hands full, and they won't have Jamal Hill for the first half. Yeah, that'll hurt him. 
Yeah, that those uh, those uh, those uh, penalties that go linger into the next game, I got a tough time with a little bit. I think that's a little excessive. I get oh, what they're trying to do no, with you it. Shouldn't but... have, if, if, if you don't have anything malicious on the play, you shouldn't throw a kid out for targeting at any point in time. I'm going to repeat this un- until I die un- or until they change this rule. It's so dumb. The NFL doesn't throw guys out of the game for targeting. We're holding college kids to a higher standard. There's no other college football rule where you hold the college kids to a higher standard. Clock stops after a first down to give them more time. You only have to get one foot down. You don't have to touch someone to get them on the ground. Like everything is set up in college to be a little bit easier to play with some little specific rules. And then with this critically important one, both from a player safety and an impact on the field because you're taking guys off the field perspective with targeting, you're making it significantly more punitive to where guys are not just out of a game, but if it's in the second half, they have to miss the first half of the next game. It's the most backwards BS crap from the NCAA. It drives me absolutely nuts. And we're going to need Bennett Williams to play a lot and step up. And I, I believe in Bennett, but I'd certainly rather have Jamal out there and available in the first half than not. And Brian Addison's healthy again. He'll be great back there. There's there, there's a yeah, lot of help. Think of the young great. guys up. I, you know, old coach speak is this far deep in the season. They aren't freshmen anymore. So you got to get some of these guys to get some playing time. But uh, I'm excited as hell for this game. I, I do think Oregon will win. And I think it'll be a great one. I think it'll be a huge notch uh, in their uh, in their belt. Because, again, I think, you know, looking at the national scheme, you know, I'm kind of one of these guys that says on my channel, you know, hey, man. Rose Bowl should be the target, you know. I don't think it's national championship or bust every year, but it feels like now they're they're printing out invitations, and we might have a name on one of those bad boys. And now, if you get invited to the party, you better be dressed up like Spencer and get there. And I think that that could be a sit exactly, dude, suited and duded. And I think it could be a situation where the Ducks, you know, find themselves in that position. I mean. Who the hell would have thought that those two teams would have both gone down Clemson, Alabama in the same day? Hadn't happened in freaking what eight years or something? I think it was I heard 2014 or 13 or something. That, that that's pretty wild. That's almost a decade. So the idea is is that it's rare that this kind of stuff happens where the Pac-12 would even be in a mention nationally. And then the Pac-12 has shown up this year. They did what they needed to do. They put teams in the top 25. They put teams in the top 10. They, they had quality wins. They had wins outside of conference. That's what we were dying for the last couple of years, right? And now we just got to really follow through and get some bowl victories out of it this year. And uh, I think it's going to be a great bowl season as well. I'm I'm a believer in the bowls. That's kind of why I, I love I bowl I, season. I'm right. I love there. bowl I'm right season. Oh, I and I'm not a gambler either, but it's like it's a good thing, I think. And I think there's going to be a lot of really good matchups. And even that Rose Bowl, if Oregon doesn't show up there and if they, if they do have that Big Ten uh, loser of Michigan or Ohio State, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. Yeah, I agree. So, but I think there's going to be a lot of conversation the next couple of weeks about like, well, if you let in a one-loss non-conference champion SEC oh, school, why started. can't you do it for the Big Ten? Especially now there's this huge push with the Big Ten, all the money behind it, all the cachet that goes along with it. And I think the Big 12's like, hey, but what about us? We have a one, we might have a one loss champion too, you know? And uh, so I don't know. I think it's going to be a situation where Oregon's still got to find themselves in the right place at the right time. Even if they went out, I still don't think it's automatic. Yeah. And I want to, I want to stay on Ryan's point for a second about Alabama and uh, Clemson losing in the same weekend. Clemson I was already, stinks. I was already thinking about, um, 
you know, with heading into this season. Sorry, that's just a bad football team. It's they're just not not bad, but they're not that good. Sorry, Max, keep going. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, so yeah, with Alabama and Clemson losing, it's a window opportunity for Oregon. I was already thinking about this kind of along these lines when it was announced that USC and UCLA were going to the Big Ten. The Pac-12 was already you know relatively weak, like especially because Bama and Clemson lost, like now is your time to capitalize. Yes. You know, you're, you're being given a really, really good opportunity here and an opportunity to, to shut up the doubters because you have these tough games under schedule. But if you're Oregon, you want to say, okay, good. Now it's our time to rise to the occasion again. Cause I think some people maybe don't think Oregon is as strong as others as you know, in the duck community because they have two ranked wins um, so far on the year. Whereas, you know, some of these other top, schools like in the sec have, have more than that, which just comes with playing in a better conference. They, they haven't played a super difficult road game and I'm not trying to be critical of Oregon here. I'm just kind of maybe playing a little bit devil's advocate and trying to get some of the other picture in here. But now you have a chance to, to really just hammer home. Yes. This is a team that is capable of great things. This is a team that is not what they were on September 3rd in Atlanta. They've grown, they've matured, they've changed. And um, I, I just think this is an op- awesome opportunity for Oregon to, to really show up and to, to do it in Lanning's first year. Um, I think that winning out is, is very much doable. Uh, you just have to take it one game at a time and, and you can't get too ahead of yourselves because they've shown that they should be able to compete and really beat any team in this conference. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Absolutely. I think this is what what's fun about the fans. You know, the fans get to get into this. And I, I had this conversation all the time about the 12-team playoff. And I, was, I said, well... You're going to cut into this now. Now all this discussion that we're going to have is going to be postponed because they're going to let everybody in. You're going to let you're, – you're not even going to worry about the top. You know, they're going to worry about who's 13 or 14. Well, that's not as big of a deal as five or six. Come on. No, so I just – I the way I look at it is, you know, this is a situation. The Ducks have it perfectly primed. The ACC looks like they're completely out. They're at 10. The Big 12 looks like they're teetering because you got to have TCU win out 
to be there. If they have one loss, it feels like they get pushed to the back of the line. Because the Ducks lost early, if they win out, they're going to be the team that has the most cachet, the most wins anywhere outside of the SEC or the Big Ten. And unless they just put two SEC schools and two Big Ten schools in there, the Ducks are going to have a seat at the table. Now, the crazy part is, is thinking about what would happen if it goes like that. You're either getting a rematch with Georgia in the freaking Peach Bowl of all places going back to Atlanta. Talk about PTSD. Again, the peaches were good. I had a fantastic time. And I know this show's PG, so I can't explain everything that happened after the game. But it was a great time in Atlanta. Now, the idea was the game was horrible, like so bad. And it's going to be used against the Ducks so much in the next coming months or next coming weeks, whatever. But I do think that if it was to work out that you could possibly play Ohio State in Glendale, Oh, my Lord, sign me up. Whoa, I would – dude, that game would be a huge Drop everything home run. and go. Yeah. That'd be a huge home run for ESPN. Yeah. Oh, Lord, people would go for bonkers over that. And, uh, and so I, I think it's just a fun time right now, the way its schedule works out. I could be no more excited about college football than I am right now, 2022. I mean, this is literally a volcano right now, it feels like. By the way, Ryan, if if that comes to pass, which I would obviously be so down for playing Ohio State, it's Peach and Fiesta this year, right? Yeah. Or, or the and, then the, and then the championship games in SoFi. So what would happen if Oregon won the first game and they played Georgia on the West Coast for the championship? Oh, man. The that'd be, bookend. <laughs> that'd be, that, would, that, that would be something. But I'll just I'll just say if if they're in Glendale. <laughs> We might have to meet up and uh, and get around a golfing oh, together, bro. Uh, when when bro when that, in the when mecca that of place. West Coast yeah, golf, basically desert golf. Come I know, on. I know. I'm, mm. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. It's so different from the Pacific Northwest, but I I think the path for Oregon is really really good, and it keeps getting there. And, and Max, I think you brought up a great point about you know Clemson, Alabama both lose. Looks like neither's going to be in the playoff. Bama could still technically get there, but it's <laughs> unlikely though not impossible. LSU only a three-point favorite at Arkansas this week. Take the hogs and, and the points if you're a gambler out there. But I, I think that when Woo pig. when you look at – yeah, whoop pig silly, baby. Uh, when you look at the uh, – What does that mean? The, the, the path. That's it's just like, like Arkansas's – No, I know, I know. But, like, what does it actually mean is my oh, question. So, dude, like, I have no story? idea. Woo pig, woo pig silly is – I, I can just look it up. I don't know why I I think it's got a farming route. Um, I don't know. I've heard or it many hunting. times before. I, or hunting. I yeah, or it could yeah, could could be hunting. I I I love it honestly. Like when Arkansas gets into the NCAA tournament, like they're a great tournament team. Musselman's a great coach. Dude. Musselman's a Musselman's a hilarious coach. I, Arkansas I, beat my Zags, man. Dude, I, I grew up with forty yeah, minutes of Arkansas hell. Was, that's because Arkansas. Bro, I, was dude, I love the an old team, man. Yeah, Arkansas but, team back in the day yeah, was good. Yeah, but but anyway, on on Oregon's playoff path, you know, it, it does feel like there's an opportunity with no Alabama or Clemson, but I really don't see it as that different than another college football year because you don't have Alabama and Clemson, no, but Georgia is kind of the Alabama of this right. season, right? right? Or the Clemson of this season. Right. Ohio State is still there. And and in terms of getting help from other teams, I've said on my show a number of times, and it continues to be true, if you just hold serve, do what you need to do, do what you can do, help is often given to yeah. those in college football who just keep winning. Right. Look at Cincinnati last year. They were not going to get into the playoff. Oklahoma State was. 
But then guess what happened? Oklahoma State came up that short against Baylor in the Pac or in the Big 12 championship game. And then what do you know? Cincinnati's into the playoff. If that doesn't happen, the Bearcats aren't in. That's why I like the 14 playoff as is. I am anti-college football playoff expansion across the board. That's a conversation perhaps for another day. But I think the path for Oregon right now looks really good. TCU is is interesting. Thought on TCU and then I'll go to LSU because LSU could be a real wild card here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. After the first week, I would have said TCU has to be undefeated. But given that they went from, was it seven to four and are now inside and above Tennessee right now, I, I don't know if the Horn Frogs would be left out if they're a one-loss conference champion. If they're a one-loss non-conference champion, I think they would get left out. But if they lose a regular season game, say to Texas on Saturday, and then win the Big 12 championship, at the very least, that's going to be comparable if you're doing a side-by-side with Oregon's resume. Because TCU would have a better loss. They won't get blown out 49-3 to against Texas. Granted, Georgia's way better than than Texas right now, but the optics of that are certainly a part of it. And then you just look at the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and you say, "Eh, these are pretty comparable leagues. Pac-12 could be a bit stronger, but there's no no Grand Canyon-sized gap there. So that that's one thing that's that's interesting to follow. Tennessee losing another game, which unfortunately is not going to happen. They're going to be eleven and one. They're cruising. I, I I think Oregon needs to be rooting against TCU, and then the Ohio State Michigan game to really solidify a slot being there for a, a one loss Pac-12 champion. You need that to be a blowout in either direction. Doesn't well, I, matter. And I think you need it to be Ohio State because they've bagged Michigan the whole time for their strength of schedule. So if Probably. Michigan wins it, but Although no the one loss win, Ohio State. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think one loss Ohio State gets more respect than one loss Michigan. But yeah. the Buckeyes non-conference isn't very good. The Big Ten isn't very good. No, I know it's Ohio State and Michigan are up here. Right. Penn State is a step below and then it's 50 feet of crap. <laughs> And then there's us. Hey, how about Illinois, man? Illinois yeah, is having yeah, a good season. Illinois, Illinois is going to get housed so hard by Michigan <laughs> when they play. I mean, I, look, I don't have a beef against the Illini. I'm just saying, like, that's a fun story. It's not that good of a team. They're not bad. But when Illinois is your fourth best team, who's the fourth best team in the Pac-12 right now? Probably, <laughs> I don't know, USC U- or UCLA? UCLA. Or what USC. are they doing to Illinois? What are they, a 13-point favorite on a neutral field? Come on. Exactly. Like, come on now. So I think the Pac-12's got that going for them. And, and there's a clear path there. And 11-1 Tennessee really feels like it gets in. They've got so many AP Top 25 wins. They've got that win over Alabama, who stays in the top 10. And I think should, by the way, not just because they're Bama, but because they've lost their two games by a combined four points on a missed field goal and a knuckleball in the same game that got through and then a late two-point conversion on the road. But LSU is the team that could snipe Oregon. If it comes down to those two, if L- like we need LSU to get a third loss because with two losses, you'd think they're out, but they're not. And because you don't have the depth of teams there vying for playoff spots that you would in a normal year. And there is a path for the Pac-12. I don't think in the eyes of the committee, a two loss SEC champion is that different than a one loss Pac-12 champion. I really, really don't. And I don't know that uh, that I could argue that point if they if they arrived at that conclusion. 
All right, let's. I want to reel it in for just a sec because we're we're already creeping up on an hour uh, a little bit. Um, I think one interesting point or question that comes to mind, um, and we were talking about it a little bit because with expectations, you know, with the Rose Bowl, with the playoff being a potential legitimate possibility if Oregon takes care of their business, I kind of just wanted to bring to the table maybe reassessing or reevaluating what we think our expectations are for this Dan Lanning team, uh, you know, this year compared to the beginning of the year, because I think a lot of people would agree. This is as good as you possibly could have expected the first year uh, of Dan Lanning's head coaching tenure at Oregon to, to be going. I don't think winning the Georgia game was really ever that realistic. Um, 17 points would have been a little better. That would have been nice just to see them compete a little bit. But yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to bring that to the table. You know, what, like if Oregon, like right now, if they went out, the feeling is that they can go to the playoff. But I think that so, I've literally seen some of the comments um, saying, you know, I'd be satisfied with a, a Rose Bowl game. And then, yeah, Kyle right here says Rose Bowl was the floor for me. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious to see where your guys' head's at because I've said, I think, the whole season and even before the season, this is why the timing of Dan Lenning's hiring was so interesting, even more so by the departure of USC and UCLA because the Pac-12 is, is weak and you've got to capitalize, like we were just saying. So I think that a lot of Oregon fans, and I don't want to call myself a fan, um, I thought the floor was Rose Bowl or Pac-12 title game appearance because Oregon's been knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, recruiting at an elite level, getting good coaches, and it feels like they've been, you know, just just coming up short uh, of where they really can get to. So what do we think about that? You know, what what's, what's reasonable expectations for the rest of the season? You know, what would be disappointment? What would be acceptable in your guys' eyes? What do you think, Spence? The floor is getting to the Pac-12 title game. That, 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 that's, that's the floor for, you know, I could at least feel okay about it. And then I, I got to see who the opponent is because I think each one presents – a different challenge for, for the ducks. But I mean, the, the way this offense is playing and the defense has not been perfect, but the defense doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you don't have to be an incredible putter to make pars. If you can hit it 300 yards down the middle of the fairway, like you can just get, you could you could be get pretty close to the hole. If you're just right there, set up in prime position every time. I think the offense ha- has been doing that. And I don't think Washington's going to, be able to hold them under 40 points this week. I think it's got to be a big Bo Nix game, but the weather should uh, allow for that. But, I mean, at this point, it would be a borderline collapse if Oregon didn't get to the Pac-12 championship game because if the loss, you know, if the loss was to Utah, they'd still have the head-to-head with UCLA, and then the Bruins would just have to beat the Trojans, and tiebreakers get weird and and funky and such. But at at this point in the season, you're going to be favored in all three of these games. You shouldn't lose more than one, and you're going to have a good opportunity with the way they're playing football right now to win all three. So I I think the floor is the Pac-12 championship game, and the ceiling for me from an expectation standpoint is getting to the college football playoff. And then once you're there, again, you got to see the the matchup with I'd feel better against Ohio State than Georgia, uh, of course, because no one wants to play Georgia because they're by far the best team in, in the country right now. But coming into the year, I expected them to get to the Pac-12 championship game and not necessarily win it. Now it's it just feels with with the way that they're playing that not winning the conference championship 
would be pretty disappointing. I, I mean, all this success, this great run, and you'd be fighting for an at-large berth to a New Year's Six. Otherwise, you'd get relegated to the Alamo Bowl. I don't think that could happen necessarily unless Oregon were to go into it with three losses. Like, if they end the year at 10-3 and three in the regular season, they could miss a New Year's Six altogether. So I, I think that'd be the biggest letdown is not playing in a, a New Year's Six or college football playoff game. Uh, would would be disappointing because the potential for this team to do that is right in front of them. Yeah, I I, I always kind of just temper it as like you know look at it from different perspectives, right? So I think there's there's kind of multiple different sides of the fan base. There's a side of fan base that actively is in here going to games, doing that sort of stuff. There's fan base that you know kind of just look on the periphery every once in a while to kind of check the score a little bit, and kind of everybody in between, right? And I think there's kind of different expectations for different parts of the fan base. And I I do think that bowl expectation is every single year with the the year where you didn't go to a bowl. I mean, in my adult life, the, the, the ducks have missed two bowls. That's amazing. In my entire, in my entire life as a duck fan, Ryan, they've missed one bowl. So, I mean, that's kind of like that blazer playoff record, right? Where they had gone to the playoffs more than any professional team, but what did they get out of it? One championship, right? So it's like, this idea where I think there's kind of this, this hope and dream that we could have the type of team year after year after year with recruiting, like you're talking about Max with coaching stability, with all the other sort of stuff that you need to kind of create that little dynasty and legacy for a little stretch of time. Because again, so much changes in college football, right? So quickly that, um, you know, I think there, you have to get good enough to kind of even have the idea that what you should be getting is into the college football playoffs. So it's kind of hard for me. I kind of sit on the more conservative side a little bit and think that, you know, this year going into this year, I thought that maybe eight wins was probably the floor. And, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get with the BYU game. You didn't know what you were going to get with the Georgia game. I, I expected the loss, but a lot of people were saying maybe you could win, you know, and uh, when you got trounced by them, you turned around, and you're like, dude, I hope we beat BYU. And that BYU game was such a turnaround. That was kind of where you first kind of started to see it. And, um, but, you know, looking at the schedule, the way it sits, they're, they're, the hardest games are still in front of them. You, you, everybody talked about at the beginning of the year. I mean, we did how many of these different shows and all these different conversations in the summertime, oh, right? Talking about all this stuff, right? And we kept saying Utah. We kept talking about Washington, maybe, or the Beavs, maybe, but everybody said Utah. And, you know, Utah maybe hasn't t- quite had the season it wanted to, but it's still a good team. That's still and they're, really, and they're still getting healthy. Really team. And I fear the hell out of the Utes. And uh, that might be a bigger game than this one. Oh, it will be for sure. But this game means different. This game now over last year's beatdowns, those back to back beatdowns, going to make that Utah game ramp up big time for sure. But the Utah game just hits different than the Washington game. Washington game has so much goddamn tradition. I mean, holy crap. It's families. It's all it's all it's all yeah. connected. But this is a situation, I think, for the Ducks where it's just it could, like Mikey G said, the storybook. Hey, I was talking about the idea of the Disney authors looking at the Duck story already this year. The fact that Dan Landing gets hired his first games against his former team and all that other stuff. I mean, off the national championship. I mean, there's so many different things that you could talk about there. If they literally end the season and beat Georgia in the national championship after losing in the first game, that's a Disney story. That's that. So I, again, I, I think you don't want to get too ahead of yourself because you don't want to get let down. 
And True Duck fans have been out here for a long time. Boy, we have been let down, man. Oh, my God. We're glad that the rain falls off a of duck's back because, boy, we've had some rough ones. And the idea that it's just right around the corner, you know, disappointments right there. And you're like, oh, do I want to go see a bowl game where you're going to get drilled and go across the country for that? Not necessarily, because I've been there. I felt that pain. And especially feelings where you think you're going to be in the game, like that goddamn Georgia game. So the idea is, is that when you get into it and you really are fired up, you know, you want to have that high expectation, but a lot has to happen. Now, 12-team playoff, every year expectation. Because yeah. you could have two teams okay. out here. You can easily have two teams per conference. 12-team playoffs sucks. And two extras. That's why a 12-team playoff sucks. These games don't mean as much. Like, if you had a 12-team yeah, playoff. Yeah, Virginia's or, going one of these years. Or, yeah, if you have a 12-team playoff. When you have a 12-team 12, playoff Eden. this year, Oregon doesn't have to beat Utah. No, but, no. We don't, to, we don't have to beat Utah. What are you talking about? No. Utah would still be in the playoff conversation. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but you're going to get four teams from the SEC in that thing. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But then you're probably going to have two from the Big Ten and two from the Big 12 and then a couple Pac-12. one ACC, And then you still have two extra. A group of five and a couple. Yeah, it's, no. It's yeah, so it's, it's going to be a joke. And Notre Dame will be there the, every plus year. The, plus the other thing, too, so many of the playoff games have been blowouts because the gap between the teams that can actually win a national championship and the ones that can't is sizable. And you're oh. still going to have a ranking system because they can't play everybody. They're going to have to have buys. You're still going to have a, right. a top four get the bye week or something. So you're still right. going to have the jockey. And, and, and by the way, and people are still going to, right, right. Like everyone's like, oh, I want expansion. It'll help this. Like it's not going to help as many things as you want, number one. No. Number two, you're saying like, oh, well, then we want to have these conversations about who gets in, who gets out. No, then you're just going to move it to who's number 12 versus who's number 13 and 14. And we who do the same thing no, in the so street. and so could pull the upsets. Like who's the number 13 team in the country right now? I believe yeah. it's, I'm pretty sure it's Utah. Does anyone think Utah, Utah can beat Georgia? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? No, I didn't think so. Like, but we give, do the same thing with it, the, the March Madness. They didn't like it at 64. They made it 68. Now it's like we're arguing who's the 70th best team. In- <laughs> yes, it's, Come on, draw the line. I know. I, I know. I think another thing, too, and keep getting back to the playoff discussion, but it's an interesting thing just about Oregon at, at you know, at, at a glance or broadly – as we're getting into the playoff discussion more, you you discuss strength of schedule, you discuss some of the non-conference matchups. Right. I think I've, I'm seeing some people. I think I, I don't. Was it Joel Klatt? I think it was Joel Klatt who was like, Oregon. Why the heck did you schedule Georgia? And I'm he like, was. because you want to be year. you want to be testing yourself. Like I I talk to these recruits and they're like, I want to go to Oregon because I know that I'm going to be tested against the best, and they they like to be in those big spotlight games like that because you could be on the other side of it like last year where you come away with a win against you're, Ohio you, State. You, okay, have, so, you have Duck fans that go, go across the country to go to Atlanta and they're in those airports and they're going from all across the country and you have Duck fans in Eugene that can't give away a Louisiana Tech ticket week two. I'm just telling up. you like. Yeah. Okay. So so a I, win's I, a win. I get it. I agree with Ryan's point there. And Max, I like what you said about the Ohio State game. I love Joel Klatt. I think he's a really smart, insightful guy. I love listening to his podcast. I think he's dead wrong on college football playoff expansion. I pray that one day I could have the opportunity to talk to him about it. We'll see where where, where life takes me. You never know. But on the on the Georgia front, he he is wrong in asking, like, well, why did you schedule Georgia? Why would you do this? Because although he is correct in saying that 
if the Ducks had scheduled Hawaii, they'd be in the top four of the college football playoff right now. They would that's be number. F- they would be number four. That is correct. However, that's not the issue that I have. I like that Oregon wanted to go play one of the best teams in the country, the reigning national champs, even though they didn't know it at the time. But the fundamental issue there is not with Oregon wanting to do that. It's with college football scheduling as a whole, which is completely backwards and set primarily by the schools themselves. And there needs to be an independent body that looks at, say, college basketball's model of how you set up great matchups every year and require teams that want to be college football playoff caliber to play good opponents. And I think what you should have is you should have alternating years. This conference plays this conference and this conference plays this conference. And you should have a one non-conference game for each team where you are playing the top, you know, one against one, two against two or one against two, something like that where, you know, the, the seven is playing the, the seven from from the year before. That way you're ensuring everyone has a quality game that they have to play, and you can't be like Michigan and schedule UConn, Hawaii, and, you know, as Colin Coward would say, Panera Bread, and say, yeah, look, we went 3-0 in our non-conference late. Like, whoop de doo congratulations. So I think there's a point there, but I just don't agree with his sentiment, even though it is – correct in a sense of like if Oregon puts a cupcake in week one instead of Georgia or if they play a middling team like I don't know per don't in the Big Ten or something then you could have they never do anything they can't be Purdue when you don't do anything but pulling up every now and then just my two cents but you could have done that and be there but I'm just not of that mind that's just not how I operate I want I want the smoke I want to play the best teams because that day when they beat Ohio State, it's one of the most thrilling days of my life as an Oregon fan, sure. bar none. I didn't think they'd win. Nobody else did either. They go in, they get a big win, and boom, a team that without that victory is not catapulted into the college football playoff discussion is suddenly right there because that's the advantage of it, right? We're getting the downside of it with Georgia this year and that it's holding us back, but the upside of it with Ohio State, if it had not been Ohio State and we would played Ohio instead at Autzen Stadium, then the Ducks are hovering around the top 10, but the Pac-12 was so down last year, it would have been really hard for them to move up, especially getting those close wins. We would have been a lot like Clemson this year where we're just scraping by against average teams, and then you play a good one and you get exposed. So I, I think there's a lot of advantages and, and disadvantages to the whole situation and, and though I love Clyde, I, I do not agree with him on that. All right. Well, maybe it's a good time to kind of get our final thoughts on the Washington-Oregon matchup. It's getting a little late, uh, and we just hit the hour mark. So shout how out many, to How everyone. many people in the building right now, Max? How many people uh, we got? We got 49 people here. Let's go. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty good showing, especially for how late it is. So yeah. Um, thanks for thank sticking you. with us, people. Yeah, thanks for yes, thanks indeed. for tuning in, you guys. But let's, yeah, how about you guys give your thoughts and then I'll wrap it up and we can, you know, say where we can find each other and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I, I feel good about Oregon in this spot. I feel really good about him at home. Washington's really struggled on the road this year. They lost to Arizona State. They, they struggled with Cal on the road and not like an Oregon struggle. Like we have high-class struggling problems where – the Ducks end up winning the game by 18 or up by 25. Washington was losing in the second half to Cal on on the road. And neither of those environments, neither of those teams are on Oregon's level. So I think that gives me a good amount of confidence. I I, I have a, my, my number one concern. I'll talk about this a lot on 
my show uh, tomorrow or on, on Friday show. Actually, tomorrow's a lot of recruiting talk. And I, I think the biggest concern is can you get pressure on Michael Penix? If you do, I think Oregon wins comfortably. I, I still think they're going to win anyway. I'll go 45 to I think, I think like 45, 28, somewhere in, in that sort of range. Um, I think the Huskies defense has been good at times, but they're pretty reliant on their front four. And I trust Oregon's offensive line against literally, literally anybody in the country. Yeah, the offensive line is definitely elite for Oregon. Um, I, I, I don't know if the <clears throat> Washington defense has really got what they need against Oregon's offense. I think Oregon's offense is just, yeah, yeah. I think Oregon's offense is just cooking right now. And I, I do think that uh, Penix is going to bring something to the table. I think he's going to throw the ball around. And uh, they've proven it, that they like to throw the ball. But they also run the ball. <clears throat> you know, I think it's oftentimes, you know, we kind of uh, – get lulled to sleep by uh, the majority and uh boy the the running game if, if they, when they start whipping it it can it can get pretty good too so i i think i respect the huskies i respect where DeBoer is at right now uh, i didn't know that they would maybe gain this much traction this fast uh the msu win was huge but it, it has turned into maybe not being as big as we thought it was then but it was still big just to get an out of conference win yeah. and have that back to back win. And they were and 11 in the country like to do it like that, too. Yeah, they were 11 in the country. And they just totally dominated it. So at home, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I, I love this game and I always think the rivalry games, you know, it's cliche, but you got to throw the records out. You just got to get after it. You got to strap it up. You got to, you know, really, really jump into these guys. And it's going to be hot. I mean, I have really never felt the energy like i felt last year i mean you had jimmy late get fired after that thing you had the crystal ball thing in the yeah the crystal ball thing in the locker room where you know he's f-bombing them and saying they're the you know everything that's wrong with football everything that's you know yeah i mean dude there was some jabs literal and figuratively last year and i think this year You've got kind of two new coaches that are really pretty solid that feel like they're going to stick around a while. They've got a real good base underneath them and they brought in good coaching staff. And you also have some guys that have transferred down here, right? You got junior Adams, you got Taki and these guys, they said Taki's wearing the, uh, the Husky shirt underneath his pads this week and stuff. Like, I, I, I think it's time to, you know, just embrace this stuff. I think it's what makes college football great. I always say the pageantry of college football is is so unique. Yep. Who the hell cares about the goddamn cheerleaders in a pro stadium? And uh, that's ridiculous. It's it, it's it, 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 it's almost borderline sexual harassment. In, in in college sports, the cheer team is like one of the best things. The band, the cheers, dude, you, it, it's it's part of the whole package. Like it all goes together. And part of that is rivalry. At least you're having one, maybe two games on the schedule that just hit different. You know, Georgia, Florida, every year is different. You know, they got to play some of these games out of the regular stadiums. They have to go to a, you know, a a different venue that's kind of a a bigger venue because they can't even know. The capacity of some of these games is just awesome. And I tend to think that the, uh, you know, uh, Iron Bowl, and the, uh, you know, Ohio State Michigan game, those are like American traditions almost. Like they are, are at the level where they are like reverent, you know? And I, I look at that uh, game every year, that Civil War game, this most important game on the whole schedule to me every year. It's Thanksgiving week, 
you still at the turkey. If, I mean, it's like, it's just, it just, there's something about that. And I think that's, that's part of the lure of college football. It's why we love it so much. It feels like family. It feels family. It feels, it feels like that's the Brian Kelly thing when he's in there. Family. family. <laughs> he's got that, he's got that Southern, Southern twang all of a sudden. But dude, I just, there was something about college football that's different than all other sports. It's not like going to a Blazer game and cheering on your team. It's not like going to a Mariner game. It's not like going to NFL Stadium, the 12s. You know, it's like going to some real home cooking. And these rivalry games are very different. And they hit different and they feel different. And when you get the win, boy, it is something special, man. I absolutely love it. So, oh, thanks for having us on, man. Thanks so much, Max. It's you awesome. got it. You got it, Ryan. So just Love to wrap up, well, I'm happy you always brought me on your show and you're incredibly supportive right. and, and, uh, you know, encouraging and, you know, Spencer has been great having me on his show, coming on my show. Uh, so it's just been awesome getting to, you know, get to know you guys and just kind of see all of our stuff, just, you know, grow as far as, you know, YouTube channels and, and shows and what have you, but final thoughts on Oregon, Washington, um, yeah, the more I think about it, I think it, that the real test just comes on defense, you know, is we're going to be able to get that pressure on Penix, uh, good alliter- alliteration there. Um, but yeah, DJ Johnson, we'll see if he's able to go, uh, Brandon Dorless is going to be a huge guy that the Ducks have need a big game from, uh, but how great would it be to see someone else emerge, uh, you know, rushing the passer? Like, I think this is a perfect breakout, if you want to call it opportunity for Justin Flo. for, I know that his season hasn't been going the way that he wants to, he's kind of been hit and miss with some injuries for him to just be able to just go full pedal to the metal and just like play out of his mind, like a la suplex in his senior year highlights. Like that would be pretty sick. And then also we talked about how talented Washington's wide receivers are. How great would it be for Oregon and how reassuring would it maybe be for Oregon fans? If this secondary just has like a lockdown game, you know, multiple picks Gonzo had two picks against Colorado, obviously totally different team. But what I'm saying is they have momentum. So if they can carry that into this week, force some turnovers, make them uncomfortable, get off to a fast start on offense, I think this could be a very comfortable win, like we're saying. But, you know, if you if you don't make the tackles you're supposed to, make the plays you're supposed to, get off the field on third down. We've been talking about that a lot this year uh, as far as, you know, the, what the defense needs to do. Um, I, I think that there's it's a very, very winnable game. But this is a talented Washington team. And certainly one that I think that has the fireworks to potentially keep up with Oregon if they can't get some really key stops on defense. But I can't wait to be there. Loved everything Ryan said about why college football is so unique. Um, I just I just love it. It's the best. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. High school football is pretty sweet too. I'm obviously getting the, a lot of that down here in SoCal now. But it's gonna be great. We're gonna see all the tradition, all the all the um, you know awesome stuff that that eugene has to offer it's going to be on full display tons of recruits coming to town i might add for those of you guys that are still here uh i'm going to get to work on our visitor list story uh i was at millican earlier today and long beach wide receiver jordan anderson's going to be there he's a huge 2024 wide receiver um so make sure you stay tuned for that but before we get out of here um let's go spencer and then ryan where can people find more of your guys's work in the college football space just want to give you a chance to plug that 
Locked on Ducks and Locked on Pac-12 every day, Monday through Friday on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I'm at Smalls underscore 55 on Twitter. DMs always wide open, especially for all of you Duck fans. Appreciate you and anyone out there who who's, who watches my show or listens to my show. I hope you support these guys, too, because they are absolutely awesome and integral parts of my show, as as you know. And, you know, I've, I haven't even known either of you for a full year and it feels like we are old pals at this point in time Family. Even we've never met in person <laughs> and i wouldn't want it any other way grateful as always to be a part of this wonderful wonderful community we call duck fans it's the flock baby we gotta fly together man oh dude i love it man and let me get a first plug for my son okay my son darby winter Working. photo okay bro this week he's working for j-hop first time he's gonna have the field pass He's going to be on the field, my Bro, boy. That's so As big a junior time. in high school, he's made it. Looks like we made it. <laughs> Dude, and he might have it the whole rest of the year, bro. Because the 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 situation is he's uh he's a professional now. He he wow. got his first uh senior pitchers. He got 350 to do pitchers for two girls. Holy Oh, dude, yeah, girls will pay buku bucks if they love the pitchers, right. bro. And and you just gotta be the guy behind the camera. Oh yeah. Oh uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> just directing the show. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, thank you so much, Max. Again, I appreciate you. You know this, Spencer. You know this. Got much love for both you guys and all the other guys in the space, man. I love all those guys. Two four seven guys. Saw those guys in Colorado. Love all those guys. Everybody who's doing the stuff, man. Crepia. Everybody's doing the thing. Anyway. Uh. But uh. Sports Chat 503, that's where it's at, man. And But you got to check out the Tuesday show. The Tuesday, I've opened the whole thing up. I did three hours last night. Dude, Straight. that's Straight. so baller. So it's like, it's cool, man. It's like StreamYards hooked it up. Max, you got to give, I always give Max the shout out for hooking me up with the live stream. I'd never done a live stream until Max told me to now, do now it. Now you're a pro. Now I'm loving it. And uh, yeah, and so, but I did three hours last night and it was awesome. Anybody can come in at any time. You send me the link or, or send me the message. I send you the link. I can't send the link public or else I get all tons of trolls. That's a thing that I've been uh, dealing uh, with. Yeah. Not, not great. But it, it's, it's been it's been fun. Anyway, uh, there's a core group of guys that have come on a couple. You know, they're building their brand and they're doing their thing, and I absolutely love it. So again, I'm here for the positivity. You know me. Uh, I'm I'm just a guy here uh, representing for that '90s Oregon football group that broke through the glass ceiling. We're still here. <laughs> absolutely, you're our Good. group. You're our group historian, Ryan. Right. I'm everybody's group historian. Every group Everyone that I'm enjoying. in, I'm the historian. All right. Well, great stuff there. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtorresports. That's the fastest way to get all the updates from me on Oregon football, Oregon football recruiting, really leaning into that. Really important to lock in on the social networks. You can find me on YouTube at Oregon football, Max Torres. If you guys are watching here in the live chat, live stream, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button and uh, hit that notification bell. So you don't miss out on future live shows. Uh, and then we also have DucksDigest.com where you can find all my written stuff. And then the Ducks Dish podcast, share the podcast with your friends, with your family, with other Duck fans. You know the rules, but uh, we're going to get on out of here. Huge thank you to Spencer and Ryan for hopping on. Really glad we got to make this work on a huge week for Oregon football uh, and Husky hate week. So we'll, we'll see you guys at the game uh, on Saturday in Eugene. 
And uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.